Welcome to the Jig Is Up podcast with your hosts, Darcy and Jason. The Jig Is Up is recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the lands of Treaty 6 Nations. We aim to bring you new perspectives and open up conversations about Métis politics, culture, and current events, as well as stories that affect Indigenous from all over. If you like the show, or you don't, or if you want to send us suggestions for guests or topics to discuss on the show, feel free to email us at metispodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on all of the social media at Métis Podcast. Yeah, not bad at all. Because if it's not, you know, I could uh, take these off and just use the speakerphone in my phone. No, it should be good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Jig Is Up. I'm Jason, and with me today is my special guest, David Bouchard. How are you doing today, sir? I'm great. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me on. How's life out on the coast? Well, like for most Canadians, if I complained, I should be shot or whipped. You know, we're, aren't we lucky? We're just so lucky. So, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those lucky ones to live here in Canada. So I, I'm, I couldn't be better. How is the lockdown treating you? Are you managing to uh, sci-fi, self-isolate okay? Well, you know, uh, Jason, this is a great opportunity for me to voice what a lot of people are thinking. A lot of Indigenous people, Métis, uh, First Nations, but certainly more than most are, are the Inuit, the Inu, the Diné. This lockdown is something that people live every day in the North. Uh, I, you know, now being the age I am, I can honestly say that I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've witnessed it. I've lived it. And uh, I think it's just a, a reminder to me of how bloody lucky we Southerners are. And for most Canadians, 97% of Canadians have never been to the North. If they went, they wouldn't believe. The word isolation uh, is, is a reality. It's almost an everyday thing. Uh, when you line up to get your groceries in Alberta, in your case, or in my case in Victoria, and there's that that distancing, well, man, what would they give for that distancing in some of the communities that I've been at in, uh, in Nunavut or in, in the territories? Oh, just let me have distancing. Because you, you, you line up at a store uh, with very little income in your pocket, and you pay 10 times the price that you can afford for lettuce that's soggy or carrots that are just kind of hanging there limp um the, you know the word isolate and it's not by the way jason's not just the indigenous people a lot of the educators the teachers that go up for a year they find themselves living in teacherages so a little house somewhere and very very isolated maybe there's another teacher or two around them the difference between them and the people that they're serving is that they can opt out and more often than not people do opt out. There's a few that, uh, that have not only the passion and the courage to stay, but they have the love for the land who do stay, but most of them just can't believe it. So this, uh, this crisis, this virus is a reminder to me to say to the rest of Canada, if you've not been there, understand that there's a large body of people living that way right now, right today, and there's a way out of it, and that we Canadians have not opened the door to let them out. And the way out of it, Jason, is to uh, open our eyes to the reality of the hunt. Uh, they need the seal hunt. We took it away from them. We, being supportive of our less active than we should be in allowing them back into that mm -hmm. world, uh, the seal is a huge part of their economy. And we have to do more to encourage the seal hunt, to encourage them to reestablish the way that they lived uh, comfortably on the land, culturally on the land, and 
Um, so I said, I know I sound a little bit like the gospel preacher, but uh, Jason, uh, as you age, uh, you learn from life's experiences, and there's some things that you just want to stand on the mountaintop and scream out, and that's that's one of the most uh, uh, um, I think revealing things in my life that others might not have seen that I'd love to share with everyone. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to remember that uh, you hit on a very good point. As Indigenous people in Canada, it's not universally equal. We we have a lot of privileges, like you said, living in, in um, southern regions that are more populated, where we have access uh, to a lot of more of the amenities of life, as it were. And we're not as dependent on uh, going out and hunting and foraging for our own foods as we used to be. Like you said, like up at the up in the north, and how much more vulnerable they are for the food uh, insecurities. Uh, enjoy hearing, but it kind of speaks to the reality of who we are and what we're saying and why we say it. And the stories of two two elders that were sitting at the back of a hall, and there was a, a priest up front talking about various uh, biblical uh, stories. And at one point, he spoke of the story where uh, this this whale swallowed some guy and swam with this guy in his belly for seven days. And then after seven days, the guy came out alive and healthy. And um, that was kind of where the story went. And when the, <laughs> when the gathering was over, uh, one of the two elders stood up and looked at him and said, uh, that story that you told about that big fish that swallowed that guy, uh, when did that happen? And the priest looked at him and said, about 3,000 years ago. And the elder looked at him and said, oh, is that, uh, is that something they say? Is that something you heard? <laughs> or do you know that? Yeah. And the priest said, I know that. And the elder looked down at his friend and he said, that guy there is either a lot older than he looks or he's a liar. <laughs> because in our world, <laughs> if, I, if I know it, uh, I can say it, firsthand knowledge. But if it's something that I heard said, then I have to acknowledge that I, I, I heard it said. So they say, they say, and that's something that's a little different uh, in the non-Indigenous world, which is like copyright infringement really means little to us. Nobody would ever take one of my flute songs and play it without asking me because it's my song, mm -hmm. nor would I. Even if it's a story that happened to somebody that might have happened to you or to uh, anybody at all, I would never tell that story because in our world, in our, the history of our, of our ancestors, that's called gossip, and we just don't do that. And funny thing is, uh, Jason, so much of our world, so many people around us have got away from that. You hear amongst Indigenous people stories that they don't know to be true, that they relate, that, that are gossipy stories. And it's so uh, unfortunate because it's not who we are. It's not who our parents and our grandparents were. And it's just something we picked up. You know, whether it was social media that took us there or whatever, it's something that we picked up and it's really sad. So if you hear me say, I know this, it's because I lived it. If I say to you, I heard said or I was told, I'll be sure to acknowledge that because I, I want to make sure that your listeners uh, know when it's life experiences. And, if I, and Jason, if you'll allow me, I would love to start with a couple learnings that I've had from personal knowledge that I picked up because I'm older and I picked up because I've learned them. And they're kind of lessons that I've been sharing with the world around me. And I'd like all of, all of your listeners to know, uh, if you'll allow me that I'll try and do it as quickly as I can. Yeah, go ahead. Sounds good. Okay. Well, here's the first learning. Uh, Jason, uh, two years ago, 
I flew from Victoria, where I currently live. I'm a Saskatchewan boy. Uh, when people ask me where I'm from, I always say, well, I'm, I'm from Saskatchewan. They say, well, where do you live? And I say, I live in Victoria. Well, but I thought you say, I, I say, yeah, I am from Saskatchewan. I live in Victoria, but my home is Saskatchewan. And you can never take that out of anybody because you grow up and you're taught by the wind and you're taught by the sun and you're taught by the winter and the snow. That's my teacher is nature mm-hmm. in Toronto. Your teacher, you're taught by the highways, the 427, the 401, the 404. Uh, in British Columbia, you usually learn from the bridges how and when you live your life is dictated by bridges. But where I come from, uh, my teacher was nature. So uh, I'm from Saskatchewan, I live in Victoria. Anyway, I flew from Victoria to Vancouver, Vancouver to Edmonton. From Edmonton, I flew to Whitehorse. And from Whitehorse, I flew to Dawson City, Dawson City to Takayaktak. And then they put me in a little float plane, uh, not a float plane, but a little one of those little planes. And they flew me to the only Arctic community in the Yukon. And it's a little place called Old Crow. 250 people live in Old Crow. And uh, when I got off the plane, it was minus 46 and it felt like minus 53. And I stood next to the airport, which really in Alberta, you would call a shed. Uh, here I'd call it a shack. I know. I stood next to the airport in this snow, leaning over, doing what we prairie people do just prior to dying. And it's kind of you rock your body and you're bending your knees and you're moving around and you're feeling your whiskers frost up within seconds. And I'm alone. All of a sudden, a, a, a skidoo, a snowmobile pulls up in front of me and some guy gets off and he rips off his toque and says, are you the author? And I looked at this guy and then my head shifted from left to right, left to right. And I, I'm the only guy for 7,000 miles. Am I the author? What do you think? <laughs> and he kind of laughed a bit. And his laugh showed me that there was an absence of teeth. He was missing two front teeth. And yet, I kid you not, Jason, the guy was extremely handsome, as I find the Diné people to be. And he put on his hand. He said, hey, <laughs> I'm Danny. I'm Diné. I said, Danny, I'm, I'm David. I'm Métis. And he, uh, he said, yeah, uh, the administration asked me to bring you a snowmobile, so it's that green one there. And being from the south and not doing much time on snowmobiles, I said, uh, do I need a key or do I need instructions? He said, oh, you don't need nothing, nothing, man. It's broken. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, I mean, it doesn't work. I said, Danny, if it doesn't work, how did you get it here? He said, we've got a truck in the village. I should have mentioned, by the way, Jason, this village has uh, basically no roads, um, two trucks, and a, and a school bus. A school bus, because there's 230 people in the village, but they have to bus the kids to school for various reasons. And one of them is dogs. A couple of years ago, a little girl was uh, hurt, badly hurt by a dog. And there's some wild dogs, but some of them are just on chains. And so they've got a bus. So Danny said, I, I brought it in a truck. And I said, well, Danny, uh, it doesn't work. Have you got a plan B? Because I've got about two minutes before I die. He said, yeah, I could go get the truck. And I said, how quickly? Two minutes later, I'm driving kind of through this little town with Danny. And I did what I always do. And it's not gossipy and it's not snoop. It's, it's just sincere interest in people and in life. I said, Danny, is your home? Yeah. And I said, all your life? Yeah, pretty much. And I said, are you married with a family? Yeah, uh, divorced. And I said, oh, it's got to be hard in a little town like this. What do you mean? I said, well, I mean, divorced in a small community like this, it's got to be a little difficult. Why? I said, what do you mean, why? Because you'd be in each other's face all the time. I mean, where does your ex-wife live? And he said, you see that blue house there? That's, that's where she lives. 
And I said, you? He said, I live here and this white one. I said, oh, forget it, Danny. I, I just knew you'd be in each other's faces. And he said, oh, that's not bad. I said, have you ever had another girlfriend or you thought of remarrying? Yeah, I met a nurse a couple of years ago and we really hit it off. And in fact, so well that she went and rented an apartment for us in Toronto. And I said, oh, but you're here. Yeah, I changed my mind. I said, oh, she wasn't the woman for you? And he said, no, oh man, she was. She was really, really nice, but Toronto? And I looked at him and it dawned on me. He was saying, who do I live in Toronto? Yeah. He was living in minus 50 weather, below weather, and mm -hmm. uh, what would amount to a little shack, uh, living in very harsh, difficult, uh, almost certainly below the poverty level. And he is saying, who would want to live in Toronto? Literally a month later, I found myself speaking to some trustees in Mississauga. And I said, before we go anywhere else, before we talk about education and about where we want to take our kids, I've got a story for all of you. If you think that everybody in, in Canada have the same goals and objectives as you have, and that's to live in Rosedale and to drive a Mercedes Benz. I was up in, in, uh, in Old Crow and I told them the story that I just told you. And then I looked around, I said, so if you think honestly that everybody wants what you want, I know a guy, his name is Danny. And they all kind of look at each other. And that's a real, uh, Jason, that's a real uh, good piece of knowledge for everybody to keep in mind. Don't for a second think that what you want out of life is what everybody else wants. We as a country should focus on that, but individual communities should too. And so should individual teachers oh, and parents. Mm -hmm. It's not only what you want for your kids and for your lifestyle but it's also what they have why why wouldn't you look at a person and say these are your gifts this is where we should be trying to move our kids and our communities to what we have to build on not and you, know, you know what i'm saying jason I, anyway that's my first story are you ready for the second go ahead give us the second one Okay, well, the second one is equally as, as learning, uh, as much learning, and uh, for me, was equally as moving. I flew from uh, Old Crow, I flew to the capital of the Northwest Territories, Yellowknife, and then I flipped over to Nunavut. And uh, when I landed in the Calloway, I learned something that your listeners probably don't know. Did you know, Jason, that when you get into a cab in the Calloway, you give the driver $7, and he'll take you anywhere you want to go? Period. <laughs> if, if there's two of you, you each give them seven dollars. Oh, and really? I know it sounds absolutely. If there's three of you, he gets twenty-one dollars. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I just <laughs> looked around and I thought, how in the world can I not know that at my age? And it was just a riot. So from uh, Akalawit, they flew me to the third most northern community in our country, and it's called Arctic Bay. And in Arctic Bay, there's eight hundred people. And when I got to Arctic Bay. Uh, I was a chance to work with the teachers, the parents, the kids. And the first thing I did is I went to speak to the elementary school kids and I started to talk to them in a general way. And I usually tell stories. And all of a sudden, the teacher started to translate what I was saying. And I looked at her and I said, um, what's going on? And she said, sorry, David, most of these kids still are learning English. They all speak Inuktitut, their language. And I said, oh, Jason, from there, I went to the high school. I worked with about 40 kids in the high school. And I learned that they can speak English, but they speak with an accent, almost a Germanic accent as, uh, as Alberta's Mennonite or Hutterite communities might. And uh, mm -hmm. they, were, they were 
Oh man, to say they were beautiful kids, I've got a picture of them on my uh, on my Facebook page. They, it's the class that I worked with in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first things I said to to the kids was, and uh, after I got rid of the teacher, sent him off for a coffee. Kids said, you know, things about your existence. And they said, like what? And I said, what about your life expectancy? And a girl in grade eleven said, uh, my life expectancy is ten years less than yours. And I said, why is that? She said, why do you think? Look at how harsh our life conditions are. And then there's suicide in there. And she started to list off all these reasons. I said, interesting. And what about your your success rate in school? And she said, oh, zero. She said, even if I pass all the exams, they've been so modified that there's not a university in Canada that I could get into. And I said, I don't understand. And she said, Ms. Bouchard, we speak in Uktatuk. I said, I know. And she said, we write the same exams that they write in Edmonton and Calgary. We follow the Alberta curriculum. And it's very hard for us. Not only do we have different lives and a different culture and their exams don't, we can't relate to that, but it's not our language. And I looked around and Jason, to say it blew my mind would be an understatement. Can you believe that these kids are writing the Alberta exams? Unreal. I had no absolutely idea. Absolutely unreal. I had no idea. So, I, absolutely. It just floored me. And so what I was able to say to these kids was, okay, students, I want you to look at me and listen to me very carefully. And I'm speaking to you here as a father, as a grandfather, as a teacher, as a Métis person who only discovered his heritage much later on in his life. So I come to you from a place of honesty and learning. I want you to know this. I know there are drum singers among you. These, these dr- sing, drum singers are p- kids who get up with a drum. They drum. Unlike the drummers that you see, Jason, in Alberta, where, uh, where they hold a hand drum, these are bigger drums. They're almost the size of a kettle drum that they hold between their legs, and they beat it until they find the, the, the beat, the heartbeat of Mother Earth. And when they find that heartbeat, they start to move their body. And then they'll literally take a jump, and they'll move around in a circular fashion, and driven, driven by her heartbeat. And uh, this little guy, his name was Vincent, grade 10, said, yeah, I'm a drum singer. I said, would you drum for me? Of course. No shame. No, just up he went. He started to drum sing. And one of the girls, uh, high school girls, started to sing, just as natural as can be. And I, I didn't want to ruin the moment, as I ought too often do, by taking out my camera and filming it. I just soaked it in. And he was, he was absolutely magical. And when he stopped Nobody clapped except me. I clapped and I said, okay, Vincent, that was, that was absolutely magical. And somebody said, yeah, Ryan is better than him. <laughs> and I looked around and nobody was laughing. And I started to go, he is, who's Ryan? A great 12 boy raised I said, yeah, yeah, I'm Ryan. I said, well, are you better than this? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to show me? Sure. He got up Oh, man, was he amazing. And I said, okay, kids, I went, listen to me. I want you to know that our universities have moved to a position now that any one of you, Ryan, Vincent, take that drum in two, three, four years, if, if you want a post-secondary education, and that's assuming that everybody wants a, a BA, a BA, a master's, a PhD, and not everybody does. You've got to start with that. But if you want a post-secondary education, I want all of you kids to know that you can go to any university in Canada, go up to the registrar's office and say, I'd like to speak to somebody in Indigenous studies or in fine arts or in drama or just ask to talk to somebody and say, hey, my name is Vincent. Yeah, I'm uh, 20 years old. 
I have my grade 10 only because I'm from uh, Arctic Bay and our exams are modified to uh, work with the Alberta curriculum and subsequently we really struggle. However, I'm a drum singer and I would like to do a doctoral degree, a PhD in the drum. I brought my drum to share it with you and I'd like to do various components. The first component I'd like to do is how to build this drum because I was taught by our elders and I'm a pretty good builder. I'd like to do a component on the, the construction of our drums and the historical construction of our drum, how we made them through over time and what we use them. And then I'd like to do a component on our stories because our stories are very personal. And I'd like to go into our community and get permission from some of our elders to share their stories. And, I'll, and then the third segment is I will perform those stories. I, will, I would like to show that I'm a performing artist and I'd like part of my PhD to be on that. And I say, kids, you might not believe me, but I, I sincerely, sincerely believe that any one of you could get into almost any university in our country based on the gifts that you've been given and on your culture and the, and the reality that the world wants to know more about you and about why we are suffering and what we can do to make things better. And uh, Jason, it, uh, it made a difference. These kids felt valued. They felt uh, respected. And uh, I knew that I was able to make a difference in that community. But more than that, I was able to take the reality of their world back to people like you that I can share through your podcast and to conferences that I speak at and share what I learned. And those learnings are very, very important. This is not something that I heard said. I know this, I was there. I ate polar bear and I ate seal and I had a lot of muskox and whitefish. I was there, I lived there and I, I learned firsthand. So I know these things and I can tell that to your listeners, these are real. I think too often, I mean, I've never been able to get that far north, and so I, I really appreciate you sharing those stories. It's a big eye-opener for me, too, um, hearing some of the challenges that they still face education-wise, um, which is sad uh, on the majority mm -hmm. of us living in the southern part of this country, that so much of the things we take for granted are inaccessible to those you know, in the north. So you got any other stories you want to share with us, David? Oh, Jason, now where do I go? <laughs> well, let me start with the, the obvious. Um, I, was, uh, I was always in trouble in school for talking uh, because the gift that creator gave me, Jason, was the gift of story. I'm a storyteller. I got my first tattoo at 64 years old. And if you looked at my two arms now, you'd say, what the hell happened to him? <laughs> uh, because it's like anything else, you know, how when you get, I, do you have any ink? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a few tattoos. <laughs> okay. When, for those of your listeners who have never been inked, it's so contagious. I mean, you've got one and you should just like, get me back in there. <laughs> and if there's something magical and it's really hard to describe unless you've lived it. Anyway, I got my first tattoo and it's a, it's a raven. I got it on my forearm, on my left forearm, because my heart is my, on my left-hand side. And uh, every morning when I climb out of the shower, I see that raven. And uh, I'm reminded that it's the gift that my creator has given me. And no one, no one ever told me that, Jason. And if I could advise all of your listeners, you look at the people around you, make sure you recognize that they all have something special and try to relate to, the, to that person with, to, with the gift that they've been given. And it was never that way for me. Jason, uh, I hated school. Uh, I'm severely dyslexic. 
I didn't read a book from cover to cover till I was 27. There's a ton of things that I can't read because of my dyslexia. I can't read Lord of the Rings. I can't read Dan Brown. I can't read because the sequencing is, is very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, subsequently in school, reading was hard. Mathematics was almost impossible. And school was not a positive experience. The difference between school now and then was that uh, then we were not tested and labeled as we do today's kids. And back then, I think there was more of a, I think it was because we just didn't know uh, any better. So we kind of left kids to their own devices. And in many cases, certainly in the case of a dyslexic person like me, my own devices were the best thing I had going for me. I was able to BS my way through school. I mean, I I got great marks in school, university, master's degree. Uh, it was, I was able to succeed by using the gift of Raven. As some people might call it the gift of, of story, of lies, of deception. I don't. It's looking at people and knowing people and and. Anyway, when I was in kindergarten, my teacher looked at me. I was four years old and said, Bouchard, do you want to stop talking? And I looked at her and I said, no. And I remember getting a licking at school from this nun and getting home and she had phoned my dad and he gave me another licking because I'd been lippy to that stupid nun. And I swear to God, it started in, as, a, as a four-year-old. In grade four, I can remember my teacher looking at me and saying, Bouchard, toi, which is a soft version of shut up. And I said, fine. And in grade nine, Jason, a priest looked at me and Père Desjardins said, Bouchard, which means Bouchard, your mouth. But it's not the mouth of a person, it's the mouth of an animal. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, and to think you're my role model. Yeah. Not one person ever, not one person ever said to me, David, some of the stories that you tell are interesting, or don't you love sharing stories, or don't you, not once. Mm-hmm. Jason, I was 46 years old when I figured it out. I was a principal in West Vancouver. I went home for lunch with my wife and I said, Vicki, Creator has given me the gift. And by the way, I intermingle the term God and creator uh, because I've learned in life. I was brought up a Catholic boy. So there was the Holy Trinity. There was God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There was all of that. And as I age, I realize that I believe in I believe in so much that that is parallel to Christianity. But I don't see it that way anymore. I believe that that the earth is my mother and my mom and dad have died. They've both gone back to her when I die. I'm going there, and so are you, Jason, and so are our children. I believe that from the depths of my heart. I believe that when I was born from my mother, I needed air, and it was given to me from my father, which is why I look to the sky, and I say sincerely, my father's sky, father's sky. And I believe that he gets his power and his energy from his father, which is why I say mother earth, father sky, grandfather sun, grandmother moon. And I know in the depths of my heart that all of those stars up there, all of my relations, and that someday I will be among them. I believe that. So when you hear me say creator, I could say God, and it's one and the same. And if you ask me to describe God, chances are very likely it would be a female. It would be, uh, it would be a woman. Or if nothing else, it would be, it would be a non, non-existent. It would be a being that's either male or female. Or Anyway, so back to my story. I went over and I said to Vicky, Vicky, I'm doing the wrong job. Creator's given me the gift of story. I'm a storyteller. Baby, I'm doing the wrong job. And my wife said, honey, you're an awesome principal. And I said, I wasn't made a principal. I was made a storyteller. And she said, David, you're going to retire in six years, and then you can tell all the stories you want to tell. And I said to my wife that day, sweetie, I just left the board office, and I quit my job. And she said, oh, damn. 
You didn't. I see. I did. That was 20 years ago, 21 years ago. I quit my job because I was doing the wrong job. And I kid you not, uh, Jason, I'm a storyteller. As you can hear, it's really hard to stop me from talking, but this is, this is what I do for a living. And someday I'm going to find myself in what some might recall, call heaven. I just call it in that meeting with my creator. And God will throw her arm over my shoulder and say, David, did you use the gift I gave you? And I'm going to look up at her and I'm going to say, creator, I wanted to have a word with you about that. Can we talk about dyslexia? You made me dyslexic. And school was always, always hard for me. And then you added to it by making me a talker, a storyteller. Creator, you know I love hockey. They make a ton of money. Did you ever think about making me a hockey player? And she's going <laughs> to smile at me. She's going to say, David, shut up. And of course, why do I believe that, Jason? Because I was believed that I was created by her in her likeness. And subsequent to that, I think that she must have my sense of humor. Um, so I, I, it's, it's one of those things that I'd like everybody to know that everybody has a gift. And when we run around trying to teach people, we always say to kids, you know, as teachers and administrators and even as parents, we say, if you want to live a perfect life, look up there. You see up there? You want to live in that house? You want to drive that car? You want to look like her or you want to look like him and dress like her or dress like him? We have those kids look up there and uh, Jason, we're having them look the wrong, wrong place. You know, we should be doing, we should be saying to those kids, don't look up there, look inside. Every one of you was given something special by your creator. Your job is to figure out what that was and build your life around what that was. Even if it takes you 64 years to figure it out, you figure it out and you build your life around what you've been given. And chances are, that you might get rich, you might get famous, but if you don't, it doesn't matter. When you get older, you'll be so happy that you built your life around who you are. So Jason, I always say to kids, you're looking the wrong way. Forget looking up in the clouds, look inside and tell me what gift you've been given. It's a really sad reality that we don't do that in our society. We have kids look up in the sky and say, that's what you want to achieve. And it's not. It's not in a more of indigenous way of looking at it. When I was given a name, my, uh, my Ojibwe name, 12 years ago in ceremony, Red Gut Reserve by my elder, Nancy Jones. Her, one of her guests said to me, David, what you want to remember is that you want to get in that river and you swim with the river, swim with the current, swim with the water, swim with that current. Don't turn around and spend your whole life swimming upstream. So you've got a degree. You've got two degrees. You've got a Ford. You've got a Mercedes. You've got a two-car garage. You've got a three-car. Don't spend your whole life swimming upstream for the wrong reasons. You go with that river. Go with the gifts you've been given, and you'll live a better life. You'll live a good life. And that's a, that's a really important thing that I've learned. And it's not always easy to apply it because when I work with kids, Parents really don't always want to hear that. They want their kids to drive a Mercedes and live in a big house. They want that for their children because in their world, that's what they think success is. And uh, it's not. I mean, even the world that you find yourself in, Jason, doing your podcast, I doubt very much that you ever thought this would be uh, in your future a few years ago. <laughs> it's a gift that you have. It's something you love doing. And it's the right way. It's the right way for you. Yeah, we uh, Darcy and I joke about that lots. Uh, this is year three for podcasting for us, and 
we never thought uh, the show would ever go that far at all. And so even to have people like you on, you know, interested in being on our show and, and telling your stories, it's not something I ever saw in the future for sure. So what other things are uh, you up to these days, David? Well, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I'm always writing stories. Uh, the, one of my most successful, uh, well, my most successful book, Jason, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't think I sent it to you. It's called If You're Not From the Prairie. Do you know it? I had seen it, but I, I haven't. Okay. Well, let me put it just for perspective for your readers. Uh, a best-selling book in Canada sells 5,000 books. That makes it the book a bestseller. This book is sold about 500,000. Oh, wow. So when McLean's Magazine put out a list of the top 20 children's books in the history of our country, it was right up there next to the hockey sweater and I'll love you forever. And it really has been that much of an impact. And the reason for that is because we prairie people know who we are and why we are. And um, to give you a little taste of what it sounds like, Jason, it says this, if you're not from the prairie, you don't know the cold. You think you know cold. <laughs> right, let me go back a bit. If you're not from the prairie, you don't know uh, the wind. You yeah. think you know wind. And then I talk about the sun and I say the cold. And when I talk about cold, Jason, people who don't live in Western Canada or in the north don't know. Do you know what to do to relieve the pain? It's a burn that beats down from, drives us insane. Our ears or our fingers or right into our toes because a kid who's been cold on the prairie will know. Do you know what to do to, to, to ease that pain? And the answer, of course, Jason, is if you know what frostbite is like, you either rub it, you put it in cold water, snow, or you dance on your heels when it's in your toes. And all the memories we share when we get old, not one is more clear to us than hard, bitter cold. <laughs> You'll never find among us a soul who will say, hey, I conquered the wind on a cold winter's day. If you're not from the prairie, you don't know cold. Don't waste my time. You really don't. You're not from the prairie. You think you know flat. You're from Abbotsford, British Columbia, and you want to tell me that's flat? <laughs> when travelers pass through across my great plain, they all look at my home and they all say the same. It's simple and it's flat. They've never learned to see that particular beauty that's now a part of me. If you're not from the prairie, you don't know flat. How could you know flat? If you're not from the prairie, friend, I'm sorry, you don't know me. You'll never know me. You see, my hair is mostly wind. My eyes are filled with grit. My lips are, are, are and uh, Jason, that's where that book goes. That was, that's my selling book. But then after that, I wrote a book called The Seven Sacred Teachings. Mm. And the reason I bring that up now is because someone asked me if I could do a primary, a book for younger children that spoke to the teachings. And it just now came off the boat and it's sitting in a warehouse uh, ready to go out. And it's called We Learn from the Sun. And it's an absolute piece of magic. In fact, it was so good that I wrote a sequel to We Learn from the Sun. And uh, it's called a Meet Your Family. And that, that book, Meet Your Family, tells children, meet your mother. She's the earth. Meet your father. In fact, Jason, as we speak, I've got it uh, here in my phone. And I'll bet you, even as a, if, if I, by the way, if we get disconnected, it's because you'll know I'm a goof. <laughs> and I tried to bring it up. Uh, but I think I might be able to share this for your listeners, as well as for you. And um, it's... I, I think you'll find it enlightening and touching, uh, and it's going to be my my newest book. Uh, it is my newest book. It's out there. It's just it hasn't uh, uh, gone very far yet because it's just just come in, come on. So I'm going through my phone now. 
and I see story. Oh, I'm now a grandfather. Uh, and so I, I've wrote a book for my granddaughter that's been published by um, by uh, Scholastic, and it's called mm-hmm. Izzy's Best Day. <laughs> and her name is Isabel, as you can imagine. Uh, your mother's watching Dreamcatcher. Meet your family. Okay. Uh, Jason, can I do this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, listen, if, if when we're done, you want to edit this out, you go right ahead. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's very, very short, and it's 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 a real lesson to be learned by Métis people. By the way, don't you, something else we should know is because you're Métis or because you're First Nations, people assume that you know stuff. Not everybody knows. I mean, when I work on reserves and I teach kids on reserves, Ojibwe kids, some of their traditional stories, and they sit there with their mouths open, they've never heard them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, we take so that for granted because, that all knowledge is. Yeah, there. yeah, no, yeah. So, there's, uh, we'll hear this and really not have thought about it this way before. Okay, and it goes like this: the book is called "Meet Your Family." I've signed it off. It's being illustrated right now by Christy Cameron, a friend of mine in Atacokan, Ontario, a Métis woman of Ojibwe descent, and it goes like this: Meet your mother. We all come from her. Those with feathers or fur. Those who walk on two legs, birthed from water or eggs. Those with leaves or with thorns. Those with fins or with horns. Those with fingers and thumbs, all from her, every one. She birthed and she feeds us, protects and provides us with clothes and with shelter from harsh, dangerous weather. She's the grass on the prairie, the leaves that will shade me, the lakes and the mountains whose waters make fountains. She's the tree in the forest, the meadow before it. She's where we are from, all from her, everyone. Next page, meet your father. Look up, see that blue? He's there looking at you. He's your father, the sky. If you care to know why, he's the giver of breath from your time in the nest. He's the bringer of light from the darkness of night. You can see him up there. He's the guardian who cares both your father and mine. He's been there for all time. Your grandfather. Uh, meet your grandfather. <laughs> we learn from the sun. He makes learning fun. Shows us just how to live, when to take, when to give. He warms up our mother, empowers our father, provides us each day with a safe place to play. We follow his lead as we learn to fight greed. Watch him move through the sky, learning how, when, and why. And we watch him go around from our place on the ground. It's from him up above that we learn how to love. Meet your grandma. She's there every night up there in full sight. She lights up the way until it turns to day. She cares for our father, provides for our mother. Through her comes rebirth and new life to the earth. And though I can't see her back, they see me. Been there for all time, mine and yours, yours and mine. To help us keep track, we use turtles back. The squares there will show what should come or should go. And finally, your relations, meet them. Look back at the sky for truth. You know why. You've learned from the sun that all, we are one. The earth is your mother, the tree is your brother. So too are the swimmers, the lakes and the rivers. The birds in the sky, the worm, the fly, four-legged and snakes, the fish in the lakes. No, look to the stars. 
You know who they are? Our relations look down at those still on the ground. It's um, it's something that uh, people want to give some thought to. And I don't care what religion you are, if you're a religious person or not. I think it's something that you want to give thought to. Mm-hmm. That the story uh, Jason was birthed from my seven secret teachings. It's my fo- it's my best selling book mm-hmm. uh, because most indigenous communities in our co- in our country believe in some form of uh, teachings that have come to us from a spiritual place. Among the Cree and the Prairie, the term is Wesakechak. Among the Métis and the Prairie, we say Weskijak. Among the Ojibwe, we call him Nanabush, Nanabushu. <laughs> Among the um, Lakota, Dakota, Nakota, he's known as Iktomi. When you go to the north or to the east, it's Gluskap. So every one of the nations except one have a trickster, some form of trickster. And if you are a Christian or brought up a Christian, whether you believe or not, there's the Holy Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That form of spiritualism exists among a lot of indigenous communities. And if you went to the Arctic, they would say to you, of course, there's the God, the Father, who could be God, the Mother. And if you asked a Catholic or a Christian to paint what God looked like, they'd probably paint an old man that looked like Santa, but not up there. You can't, you can't even try to imagine what the creator would look like because it would just burn your eyes out. It's just too strong. But we can have a vision of what God the Son looks like, and it's not a male. It's not a female. It's an individual. And God the Holy Spirit, for a Christian, is a dove, but not there. God the Holy Spirit, of course, is raven. So it's like that Holy Trinity. And God provides to us sometimes stories that we get from trickster. So every nation believed in some form of trickster except the Haudenosaunee. Six Nations, they don't believe that God, our creator, has sent us teachings through the Holy Spirit, through the trickster. They believe that God sent us teachings through, and I, they don't even use his name, so I won't say his full name, but I will say Peacemaker. Peacemaker, who, let, who came to earth around 1300, Peacemaker came with these teachings, the great law, which a Christian might call the Bible. It matters little. Trickster uh, didn't come. It was creator's son. I, I, I interpret it that way. They wouldn't say that. They wouldn't say, no, it was God's son. But I will tell you this. Do you know what they say about, about Peacemaker? They say he was born to a virgin. You know what else they say about him? Hmm. They say that he had a canoe made of stone. Interesting. <laughs> of course, Christians will say that Jesus walked on water. The similarities are just too obvious. And these stories date back three, four hundred years before the arrival of, of Christianity. So the, 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 the similarities are, are almost frightening. So they don't subscribe to the notion at all that the teachings came through the trickster. They believe that they came through the great law, which is why Jason, I can't remember if I sent you a copy out of the book. Yeah, you do. But I've written, yeah, I've written a book called The Great Law, and I try to write my books as you, uh, I might have told you, in different languages. Mm-hmm. So I now have books in I think thirteen or fourteen uh, indigenous languages. It's uh, it's not something I can do. Obviously, I'm not that smart, but I am able enough to use people around me who speak the languages, and I've had them translated and recorded in their languages. So you can hear that book, The Great Law, in English. It's my first language. You can hear it in French or you can hear it in Mohawk. 
And the voice that you hear in that book is Frank Miller, who teaches Mohawk at the University of Toronto. But to go back a step, before doing the Great Law, I did the Seven Sacred Teachings. Because everywhere I look in Canada, I see those teachings. When I was in the, in the North, oh, 10 years ago, I learned that they call them the Day Laws. And you know how many there are? There are 10. And you know what their first law is? Because I found it so interesting. Their first law is, don't run around while your elders are eating. <laughs> I thought, what is that? <laughs> Simplify it, of course, what it means is you be respectful to your elders. Yeah. The first law, the first Dene law is respect. They have 10. Most nations have some takeoff on that. So I did, uh, I did this book called The Seven Sacred Teachings, and I did it in the way of my great-grandfather, whose name was Pierre Charbonneau. And Pierre Charbonneau was an Ojibwe who moved down to Wisconsin and eventually signed the Menominee Treaty uh, of 1849 because his second wife not my grandma but his second wife was menominee his first wife which was my grandma was osage they're the tallest natives in america which is why i'm six two and my and i'm one of the small ones in my family they're all giants because of my grandmother who was osage i i identify with him that ojibwe man uh that's for me uh, six generations back and then of course their children went on to Sell, sell off their land, which is what happened back in the 1850s, mm-hmm. and move westward. And eventually they settled in South Dakota and then up into Saskatchewan. Um, I wrote this Seven Sacred Teachings, and it's extremely, extremely meaningful. And it's just, I mean, it's also very, very popular. There's hardly a school in Canada that doesn't have the book. It's that popular. I wrote it first in English. And then I wrote it uh, in French and then in Ojibwe. I, I didn't write it, but I had uh, a good friend of mine, Jason Jones, uh, translate it with his grandma, Nancy Jones. And we did it in Ojibwe. And then one day I was up in the Northwest Territories and the superintendent came to me and said, uh, David, that book is awesome. Could you have done it in Slavey? <laughs> and I said, Brent, of course I could do it in Slavey, but... It, to be honest, it means that somebody's got to translate it. It means that they've got to print a certain number of books in Slavey, and then somebody's got to buy it. I mean, in order to make it work, <laughs> I mean, how many Slavey families are there? And he said 340. And I said, Brent, I mean, every family would have to buy a book, and it's not likely going to happen. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll buy a book and I'll give it to every family. And I said, <laughs> Oh, wow. And he said, Could you do it in Chippewan? And I said, the same rules apply. Uh, How many Chippewan families are there? And he said, about 275. I said, you're going to buy 275 books? And he said, yeah. I said, well, I could certainly talk to the publisher. He said, hey, could you do it in Swampy Cree? I said, okay, stop this stupid (laughs) game, Brent. How many bloody languages are there? And he said, there are three principal Diné languages. So when you look at that book, you'll, you'll be able to see it and hear it in Slavey. Chippewan, Swampy Cree, Ojibwe, English, Afrancais. And that's just one of the little gifts that have come my way just through opening my heart to direction, the direction of my ancestors. Um, but what I've done in that book, Jason, is that I've been able to lay out for kids, and I do it all the time. I say to kids, I'm going to talk to you for 15 minutes. And when I've done 15 minutes, I'm going to give this book to the one of you who could tell me what are the four colors of the medicine wheel? What are the four teachings? Who are the four teachers and which of the four four sacred plants do we associate with each of the directions? And I'm not lying to you. 
Jason, right from grade four to grade 12, I can 100% of the time guarantee you that some kid is going to have it. We'll be able to tell you when you look to the east, the color on the medicine wheel is yellow. And when I see the sun, I realize how big it is and how small I am. And it reminds me I should be humble. And I was born in humility. When you came out of your mother's womb, there's not a person in the world that looked around and said, okay, man, I'm going to rock this place. No, when you came out of your mother's womb and you came out as a humble person, you look to the east, you see yellow and you're reminded of humility. And the animal that represents humility is the wolf. She walks into the pack with her head bowed in humility, not because she's afraid, because she knows the family is more important than the individual. I'm reminded by the wolf to be humble. And the plant that I associate with the east is grass the hair of my mother earth. And that's when I take a braid of sweet grass and I show my listeners and I say, if you've never smelt it before, come and smell it. And if you want to know why it's braided like a woman's hair, it's because it is, mm-hmm. it's the hair of my mother. And before I cut this hair, I offered tobacco, I played a song for her on my flute. And then I braided it respectfully and I use it for protection. I keep it with my flutes because they keep my flutes healthy. And uh, Jason, if your listeners didn't know that, I always say in the spirit of truth and reconciliation, Go on out and find yourself a braided sweet grass. They're almost everywhere in Canada. You can find one. Put it above your door. And what that braided sweet grass will do is protect you. I put it above. If you looked right now in my shack above my door, I have a braid above my daughter's door. There's a braid. And what I'm saying is, mother, please only let healthy things into my world. If it's not good for me or my family, keep it away. Uh, Jason, again, we all know this. Uh, We know that there's nothing in the world like a mother's love. There is nothing. And uh, for your listeners who don't know, at the age of 67, I can promise you, my wife loves me. I know she does, but she, lo- but my mom loved me more than my wife loves me. My mom loved me more than her, period. My wife loves me, but she loves my daughter more than she loves me. Mm-hmm. Right now, at the drop of a hat, she would give her life for my little girl. For me, I don't know, maybe a little finger. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing like a mother's love. You know, I always say to kids, if you're in the bush and you see a bear come out with her, with her cub, you know what I'd recommend you do? Leave. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because she's protective and she's dangerous. If you're in the bush and you see a moose come out with her calf, you know what I would suggest you do? Leave. She is so dangerous. I was a principal for years. And if you're next to the principal's office and a mother comes into the school livid, you know what I'd recommend you do? Leave. (laughs) There is nothing like an angry mother. It's the truth. We use that braid of sweet grass for protection because your mother loves you and she'll always be there for you. So, Jason, I say, kids, you look to the east on the medicine wheel, it's yellow. My teacher is Wolf, who teaches me, reminds me to be humble. And the plant that I, I represent, I, 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 I see as being that eastern plant is, uh, is sweetgrass. It's one of four sacred plants to us as people, indigenous people. Sweetgrass, tobacco, sage, and cedar, the four sacred plants. And I can teach to those plants through that book as well. Jason, I'm talking too much, aren't I? <laughs> Well, actually, it, it's hard to believe, but uh, we are coming up on the hour already. The time has just flown right by. I know. Sorry. Oh, no, it's been, I mean, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, there, you've done so much work and, and put out so many amazing books that uh, I have them on my shelf well, and, and read them to my well, let me Let me say this. Jason, play with that as you may. If you need a part two... Or if you need more, I mean, let's face it, there's so much that we didn't talk about. Oh. The, part of the real fun thing uh, of what's gone on here is that we've been able to do this without uh, politics. Mm-hmm. 
you know, more often than not, when we meet T-Talk, it's got some form of politics, you know, and isn't it nice to be able to focus on positive things and on, on something that we share that's good news? So we've done that. And we can certainly, there's a lot more. It, I've got a lot more where that comes from, as you can imagine. Um, so Jason, digest it. And if you want a part two, you know, in there, or if you want to edit something in or out, you know, I can do that too. No, it's, I think it's great the way it is. It's been wonderful to have you on the show. Uh, look, I'd love to have uh, you back on the show again. I mean, there's so oh, much we'll do that, that you've done that uh, that we could keep going probably for hours. Uh, Jason, we'll call it a part two. And uh, I'm, it just so happens I'm here at your leisure sitting in my shack. And when we hang up just for fun, I'm going to send you a picture of my shack and you'll say, oh, man, I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even touch on my flutes and the flutes for me are a huge part of my existence. Uh, and not only mine, but indigenous people from coast to coast. Uh, the native flute, Jason, is something that uh, I never thought I'd play because of my dyslexia. I can't read music. And in my shack right now, I've got 94 flutes. Uh, I play them all the time in my books. You can hear flute music. I mm -hmm. use them as part of my work. And I don't know if you're musical. I, I, I love music, but I, I can't uh, read. I can't, but any idiot can play a flute, and it's become a huge... So there's there's that element as well. So there's there's a lot out there. Yeah, I hope any idiot can play a flute, because I picked one up because I very much love them. But uh, I, uh, I'm not very musical, but it is fun to play. So <laughs> I don't know if you, you definitely have a few more flutes than I do. I can tell you that as you speak to me... Um, funny thing because i i learned to live with that uh your 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 microphone or your sound is coming in choppy oh is it that's too and, bad. and often there's words that i'm missing and uh i've done a i've kicks out there's a big pause while there's more oxygen going into his body and and i'm good i, I so I, when i say i'm accustomed to hearing that i am but that's your voice is kind of uh, that way yeah oh <laughs> And there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of what you're saying that I'm missing out on. I'm picking up in bits and pieces, and because I'm a raven, I can put them all together. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, I'm glad but, you were able uh, to work it out. <laughs> yeah, and that, is that whatever you've done there is a, is is cured it. It's gone. Uh, okay, well, listen, let's uh, let's let's keep in touch. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on your show. Uh, as I was saying, it, it's uh, it's a real pleasure and an honor. I I follow what you do. I think you do a great job of it, and. Um, uh, it's just such a nice service to to the public, I think, to people. Yeah, not just Indigenous people, by the way, but also to uh, non-Indigenous people to learn. I think it's, I mean, what we did this morning in an hour, I think a lot of people could learn from. Well, I, I sure learned a lot. It was great to have you on the show. Uh, those, I mean, those stories, um, I don't know where else you'd go to hear them other than to sit down and actually talk to you like this. And so it was very moving for me to have you share there, there, those perspectives. There's some truth to that, isn't it? And uh, you know that our stories, Jason, uh, our Indigenous stories, those of our grandmothers and grandfathers, were told in the winter, never in the summer. Summer was a time for hunting and gathering and getting ready for the winter. But in the winter, when you sat around in isolation and you had to keep social distancing, and that's when our stories were told. So I can't imagine a better time ever to tell stories than now during this time of self-isolation. Well, I sure appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us and, and share those stories. And I really look forward to having you back on the show later. Well, I'm looking forward to that beer you're going to buy me someday. <laughs> you just got to make it back out to the Words of Prairies. <laughs> Big hug, Jason. Good luck. Thank you very much, David. You have a great day. I so will. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you want to connect with us on social media, head over to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts, which can be found by searching for at Métis Podcast, or can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Also, we have started a monthly email newsletter, so if you would like to get your email added to the list to keep up with anything new and interesting from us, please make sure to email us and let us know what, that you want to be on our uh, email list. We hope you all have a fantastic week this week, and until next time, the jig is up.